0: No one's mentioned that it's April Fool's Day today, but me and Phil had a little giggle when um, Greg asked me, because we figured that we were the most foolish, hence I'm asking us. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's just about um, like a birth tonight, because um, I've made all my friends pray for tonight for about the last five weeks. My friend Puspa and Pauline and I have been interceding, and... Probably since October last year, this, has been, this message has been sort of welling up inside me. And as um, God has taken away all my sleep, <laughs> over and over and over again, I've had a picture tonight of God's glory falling down from heaven and lapping down in the front here. But if you sit in your seats, you're going to miss it. Because when I was in Florida at the revival, There was some really weird stuff going down the back. (laughs) There were demonic people possessed with demons. There was hard hearts and there was some really just nothing. But the people that came up the front that were really hungry for God, man oh man, we couldn't stand. So I did a little experiment one day. And so I put myself at the back, and my friend, who was in a wheelchair, she was up the front. Every night she'd wheel herself up there because she wasn't missing out on one single opportunity to get healed. So I set myself at the back, felt nothing. Quarter of the way forward, nothing. Halfway, three quarters. I'm thinking, I'm going to be able to stand tonight, sweet, because I tell you what, the glory of God fell so thick in that place that when you stepped up to around about eight feet in front of the... You know, like I, I sort of think it's like the modern altar. There's no way that I could stand with like, and the glory means heaviness, and it's an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I believe with everything in my body and my spirit that there are people here who have got addictions and shame and insecurity and inferiority, and you live with it every single day. And God is saying, will you come and encounter me? Will you run to me? So, what I want to do is do a quick teaching about running to God and why we don't. With everything around us in mind, that it is that we encounter God. He heals us. That's the whole purpose, right? So you're going to have to stay with me because there's a lot of scriptures. Um, and I want to start with Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, I'm a bit technologically challenged. I'm used to little clickety-clack things. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to nod at the guy. I've got about 12 slides that I want to watch, but you might have to help me. Okay, so we're going to watch this guy race. I want you to pay attention to the front, to the very beginning of what happens. Okay, stop it there. The first thing is on your mark. The second thing is get set. And the third thing is go. Now, when I talked to Greg on Wednesday, we were going to do all three. (laughs) I was going to do all three. He sort of made a nice, polite little remark that perhaps it was too much. He was right. Uh, So we're just going to tonight, we're going to do on your marks. And what does on your marks mean? So you can put the next slide up. On your marks means go to your position of readiness. That's the dictionary meaning. Go to your position of readiness. Now, if you look at this, guy, I presume it's a guy, um, he's poised, right? So he has actually moved to a place. Readiness means the state of being ready, willingness. Now, our relationship with God is two-way. Our part is readiness, and God's part is that he answers our call for help. And I think that we don't really get that. That we think we're depositories, passive sort of like vacuums that just assimilate the presence of God and we don't really have to do much. It's not true. If you look through the Bible, through and through and through, there is pattern after pattern after pattern. If we call out to God, He comes to us. If we don't call out, He doesn't. If we don't invite Him, He won't impose. And that is really strategic for us. Now, Matthew thirteen fifteen says... If there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. So I challenge you, what did you come to church for tonight? Do you need healing? Did you come because it's a habit? Did you come because you didn't come this morning? If you don't come tonight, you might be a bit shamed out. Did you come because someone asked you? did you come because it's tradition, or did you come because you're so passionate for God that you don't want to go home the same and that is readiness that is a willing heart. so when I look at the hindrances that come, when I some of you may not know that I was for sixteen years with a nerve disease and um, there were a lot of times during that a lot of questioning a lot of times. You know, 120 milligrams of IV morphine at one time. That's enough to kill a horse. I that twice a day. I'd have convulsions. 70% of my life was in hospital. So I really questioned God a lot about what was going on. Trouble, I'm afraid to say, happens to Christians and non-Christians. Let's just put the next slide on. We're going to have trouble. From the moment Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it's like gravity. Trouble. Until Jesus comes again, that's that. And the more we try and say we're Christians and we shouldn't have trouble, that's a deception. It's not true, and you're going to be bitterly disappointed when trouble knocks at your door. Because it is not biblically sound. There's more trouble, actually, than 9-11, believe it or not. Now, I live with a man, and I do have to put up with his man flu probably around about once a year, and it's just about as bad as uh, 9 11. Sorry, darling. (laughs) Nahum 1 7 says, The Lord is good, a refuge. You can. Next slide. The Lord is good, a refuge in. Oh, that's very small, isn't it? Can you read that? Oh, that's good. Okay. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust him. John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all our compassion and the God of all, who comforts us in all our troubles, in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. Do you see anywhere there that it says that if you're a Christian, then you're not going to get trouble? It's just not there. I searched and searched and searched. In fact, one of my friends, who shall remain nameless, and does not live in Wellington, he told me that those scriptures in Job that talked about trouble coming to Christians was um, basically totally and utterly not to be taken into account, and he didn't mind being called a heretic. (laughs) He had a really convenient theology that meant that good things were meant to happen to good people. And that leads me to three big fat lies that hinder us from getting on our mark. John 8.44 says the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. Lie one, if God was a good God, then he would not let bad things happen to good people. You hear that a lot, don't you? When I was really sick, I had crutches, and then I was in a wheelchair, and I used to call my crutches my sin sticks because it meant it was very obvious that I was way more sinful than anybody else because I wasn't healed. (laughs) And I'd do the walk of shame back to my seat. In fact, one of my friends, who didn't stay my friend, after this comment, I might add, said to me that I must have secret sin. And that was why I wasn't getting healed. So I felt pretty insecure and it was easy not to run to God. The lie, if God was a good God, then he would not let bad things happen. It creates insecurity. Satan will always attack us in the area of insecurity. We have to wise up. Insecurity, inferiority are the two main spiritual strongholds that Satan will attack us in. I can't call on God because I can't trust that he has my best welfare at heart. That's what we say in our heart of hearts. But don't tell anyone, because it's not very Christian, is it? The truth is that God is good. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep. 2 Chronicles 16, 34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Lie 2 the Bible seems to be so full of scriptures that mean I shouldn't have trouble or get sick, like, through his stripes I am healed. If you take that out of context, you can feel really bad if you're not healed straight away. So maybe it means I'm not a good enough Christian, and I'm more sinful than anybody else, actually. And that lie creates inferiority. And inferiority sucks, because if you feel inferior, you think you can't call on God because you're actually not good enough. And I fought with that a lot because I thought, God, why didn't you make me quiet and meek and nice? And then I'd be such a good Christian if I was like that. <laughs> and I've never been any of those three things ever. I don't think even a little girl is just not who I am. I'm not a nice person, I suppose. <laughs> I don't do, no, I don't do nice. I just don't do nice. Or pink. Pink and nice. Isn't it? <laughs> the truth is that God is compassionate and merciful and full of grace. Psalm 103, 8-14 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank God for that. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, the earth so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from, from, from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And then this bit's one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers we're formed out of dust. And when I was really, really sick and really thought that I was going to die, and I couldn't see any more clearly because I had to wear dark cataract glasses and it, was, it hurt to breathe. That scripture saved the day for me because it meant no matter how frail I was, no matter how sometimes I'd cry when I was on my own because I felt really, really alone, he remembered that I was formed out of dust. And he remembers that all of you are formed out of dust. We're not perfect. We don't have to be superior. We just have to trust him and not give in to the spirit of inferiority. The third lie is that after the fall in the Garden of Eden, God actually isn't in control. That's the third lie of the enemy. And this lie creates fear. I can't call on God because he's weak and not in control and that makes me afraid. And I think that is a real subtle lie that people get very, very caught up in. And it's a tricky number. (laughs) I've been looking at this whole issue for 16 years and I don't have it sorted out yet. 20 years. 20 years since I started. But my understanding at the moment is that God is in control of Satan and he is in control of every weapon formed against us. Now the scriptures I've found for this are Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Isaiah 54, 16 to 17. And this is the real crux. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. Now, if you just take that little bit, then you think, right, bad things happen and God's got nothing to do with it. However, it goes on. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coal into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who created the destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon formed against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that confuses you. Accuses you. Now, the scripture doesn't say that no weapons will be formed against us. It just says that the weapons will not prevail. God created Satan, who was Lucifer in heaven, who then sinned. Satan comes under the dominion of God. So that then means that we can trust that God will bring good out of everything that happens to us. Romans 8.28. 8, for all things work together for those in Christ Jesus according to his will. So why does God allow us to have trouble? I'm not going to really preach into this tonight because we don't have time. There's four reasons, I reckon, that God lets us have trouble. One, it sharpens us. We all tend to get sloppy and forgetful. The children of Israel are a really good example of that. I used to think I wasn't like them, but it was a lie. (laughs) Trouble brings us back to the important things. When I trained as a hospital chaplain... Even atheists, when they think they're dying, call out to God. Amazing, eh? Illness sharpens us. Testimony is another reason. When God intervenes and brings healing and spiritual solutions to our problems, then he's glorified to believers and non-believers alike. When God healed me miraculously, my nurses just about passed out. On my medical records, the specialists have got some really bizarre comments because there's no medical explanation for why I'm well. My GP said he would have to reconsider his spirituality. <laughs> I don't think he did, but he thought about it. <laughs> the third reason is empathy. 2 Corinthians 1.3 If he comforts us, then we can comfort others around us. And the fourth reason is to refine us to test and prove our faith. really hate that, don't you? I really wish the refining thing didn't have to happen. Because it hurts and we don't like pain. And I think anyone that says they are, there's an M word for that, isn't there? Masochist, I think. (laughs) All of those lies, those three lies, hinder us from getting on our mark. So when trouble hits, what are we meant to do? Where is our mark? When trouble hits, we need to call out to God and run to him. We need to run to the protection under his wing. Second Chronicles 29 says, We will call out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Samuel 22, 7 says, In my distress I called to the Lord, I called out to my God. Isn't this cool, this mother hen? I've got a really neat story about this. Psalm 91 says, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. The thing is, when a mother hen perceives that there's a danger to her chicks, she doesn't go walking all over the place and call the chicks in to go to her, which is probably what many human mothers would do. We'd go, you know, come here, come here, come here, there's a problem. No, no, she doesn't do that. She goes to an open space she spreads out her wings, and then she does a special cluck. <laughs> and all the chicks know that sound, and they run, and they shelter under her wings. And when they're all there, she hunkers down, and they're safe underneath the wing. And when I was really, really, really sick, I had a picture of running up into God's temple and running up to this massive lion, sort of like the, the lion out of um, Narnia. I sort of imagine it. And I'd always shelter. And then one day I realized I was sheltering under his wing and that the lion of Judah has these massive, cool, awesome angel wings and that I could shelter under there no matter how much pain I was in, no matter how alone I was, that I could shelter there. And if we don't go there, then we are really vulnerable. And many times we don't know how to get there. And we are open slather, like a tiny chick out on its own someplace. If a hawk comes down to catch a baby chick, when the mother has the chicks underneath her wings, the hawk has to kill the mother before it gets to the chick. There's a true story that a fire ripped through a, a barn. They found the dead mother hen with ten baby chicks alive under the wing. And that's what it's like when Satan attacks us. If we run to him, we're sheltered. Satan has to go through the God before he can get us. But because of the three lies of Satan, we often don't go there. And we do it in our own strength. The next thing we do is that we're unwilling. Jesus said, O oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way that a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. So instead of going there, we sin. And if you go back to Hebrews 12, 1, it says to throw off the sin that entangles. And I quickly want to go into what those are. The first thing we do is that we get angry. I... um." trained as a hospital chaplain about three years before I got healed. It gave a meaning for being in hospital 70% of the time. I'd get in the ambulance. I'd put it off as long as possible, get in the ambulance, and I'd ask God to please put me in the right room. After praying that, please, my veins wouldn't, (laughs) you know, what do they do, shut down, and that the IV would go in real fast. And then I'd ask to be put in exactly the right room by exactly the right woman so that I could minister to her. And often that happened. Anyway, this particular time, I was in this room. All four of us are bedridden. This one particular woman is on my right. She keeps her cubicle curtains shut the whole time. Now, us other three, we all know one another because we're in there all the time. We know the drill. We know what time breakfast is. We know how to get the commodes emptied. We know when the showers are. We know everything. We know the grumpy nurses. We know the great doctors. We know the lot. But she didn't. And she was really grumpy. She swore at the nurses. She refused to have showers. And quite frankly, after a week, she really, really stunk. And I could not eat my breakfast. And she refused to have her commode, indeed. And I couldn't eat anymore. And I thought, screw Ministering to anybody. <laughs> Actually, God, I don't care anymore because I want out of this room and I do not want to minister to anybody and I just do not want to smell that anymore. So I'm very angry. I'm angry at God for being sick. I'm angry for being in the hospital and I'm really mad that He put me by a woman <laughs> who smelled. <laughs> and so I argued with God to around about two in the morning and finally, finally. My whinging stopped. (laughs) And this little voice said to me, where are you? Hospital. Where right now is your place of ministry? Hospital. So why don't you just do it? And it was like, yeah, why don't I just do it? So I said to her, I don't know what to do with her. I don't want to get sworn at. She swore worse than the worst builder I've ever heard. (laughs) 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 And the Lord said, just ask her to get her commode emptied. She's really scared. So I wait for the breakfast trolley. And I can't get out of bed because I'm bedridden. So I grab the crutch (laughs) and I pull the curtain back just a tad. (laughs) So I can see her and she can see me. I said, um, breakfast is coming soon, so do you think that you could get your commode emptied? she goes, I'm really scared of the nurses. I go, oh no, don't worry about that. i tell you what, when I get my commode emptied, I'll ask you to do yours, okay? She goes, okay. You know what happened after that? Slowly the curtain between her cubicle and mine went back. She was dying. She had stomach cancer. She'd already lost her son in an accident a couple of years before. She separated from her partner. Over the next week, I can't even remember how long it is now, we became really, really good friends. And I would have screwed that up completely because I was angry. The next thing we do is we hide. Adam and Eve did it after they sinned. When the presence of God came, they hid. That's what we do, we hide. The next thing we do is self-sufficiency. Instead of running to God, we multitask. That's what we call it. It's a really polite word. Self-sufficiency is hidden by multitasking. We actually think we're really good at it in New Zealand. We think, especially women, we think that we can do everything. And we don't really need God. Two o'clock this morning... I told you I have my sleep's been disrupted. I'm really glad I'm preaching and it's actually nearly over. <laughs> no, I'm not. I just really look forward to a good night's sleep. <laughs> Two o'clock this morning i woke woken up and I felt God say, Get up, I want to talk to you. I said, Why can't he talk to me here? <laughs> Go down to my sofa. My dogs beside me. And he said to me, Look up the God Krishna. So I Googled Krishna. Can you show the next slide? Isn't that incredible? Back. Can you go back? Notice the multiple arms. If you go back to Krishna now, you see the same thing. It's idolatry. Let's not pretend that it's anything but. If you decide that you are self-sufficient, you are worshipping an idol. And it is sin. And there are people here tonight who need to repent of it before you can get healed. And I lapse into self-sufficiency several times a week because I'm a master through and through and through. Our relationship with God as his church is to be his bride. And that means being on our mark. A bride gets ready. Revelations 19.7 says, His bride has made herself ready. Hebrews 12.1 Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. When we don't call out to God and we try and deal with our trouble on our own, we become entangled and overwhelmed. The next slide. This is what we end up like. And I feel incredibly sad when I see this picture because I had a dream about demons. The night I'm a bit hesitant to share this because you might think I'm totally weird, but that's okay. <laughs> I really feel God wants this story to be told. The night after I got healed, uh, couldn't couldn't go to sleep. Phil was asleep. I had quite long hair, and after a while, my hair was rushing, you know, blowing in front of my face. I looked over at the curtains, and the curtains were totally still. And when I looked up at the ceiling, there were large creatures like flies with human distorted faces, and they could fly through one another. And I'm talking 20, 30, 40 of these things. And then a hand comes down in front of my face like this. And I think, there's a burglar in the house. And then this very suave, well-dressed, dark, sort of handsome-looking man leans over to me and says, Who do you think you are? And for the next upteen hours, he accused me of every secret worry that I had ever, ever had. That Phil would leave me, that my kids would commit suicide because they missed out on me as a mother, that I'd never work again, that I'd never walk again properly. I was 45k heavier than I am now. That Phil wouldn't think I was beautiful anymore. Every single thing around insecurity and inferiority. And the only scriptures I remembered was, know the battle is the Lord, know I'm a daughter of the King. And I did not remember, go away in Jesus' name. (laughs) Always learn that scripture. It's a really, really good idea. (laughs) Satan is real. And when we come together in times like this, when God is present, don't nearly miss it. I nearly didn't go to church that night I got healed. I just couldn't really be bothered. And Phil said, go. Why wouldn't you go? And then when I'm sitting in the seat, I nearly don't go forward again because I've been prayed for hundreds of times over 16 years. I nearly Missed it don't miss it we are to run to God when he calls we are to say I'm in trouble help me not decide the troubles come to us wrongly or we're not good enough and that means the troubles come so what happens when we call out to God From his palace, God heard me call. My cry brought me right into his presence, a private audience. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. Don't you love that? He is so coming to us. That smoke billows out of his nostrils. What I think of with that was the one time that my child, Melody, was learning to drive and this truck driver overtook us and we nearly crashed. And I got out of that car and I was going to kill him. I was. <laughs> I had my crutch and I was going to whack him because I was so angry that he'd endangered. It's like that. That parenting thing. My children are calling to me. Smoke is billowing out of his nose. He is racing. It says he sores on the wings of the wind, and all through the Bible. The wind is ruach, which is the Holy Spirit. So he soars on the Holy Spirit, and he comes down, and it says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters, and he rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. I just want to go back for a sec to uh, verse 5. The waves of death crashed over me. Devil waters rushed over me. Hell's ropes kinched me tight. And death traps barred every exit. Satan tries bind us up. Can I have the picture of that man again, please? See that sort of yellowy rope stuff? In the dream, when I asked God about spiritual warfare, I saw demons vomiting and defecating that long, resin, sticky, rope-like stuff. And it was wrapping itself around people's mouths and heads and legs and bodies. And, and they were becoming all tied up tight. When I saw that picture, I freaked out completely because it was exactly like that. And then I saw this stuff like mercury falling down from heaven. And it dissolved that sticky, horrible hell's ropes. And that is the glory of God. And the demonic forces cannot stick to us when the glory of God falls. It is impossible. And the glory of God is going to fall here tonight. It's already started. You can sense it already. It's already started. So every demonic stronghold in our life can be dissolved. Second Samuel twenty two twenty says, He takes us to a spacious space when he rescues us. Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. I love that. Careless in the care of God. The message says in Psalm 100 that thankfulness is like a password. When we're thankful, we get into God. When we call out to him, we get to God. When we praise him, we get to God. When we rejoice, we get to God. And when we declare his promises, we get to God. Those things are like pillars. And when I saw the glory of God close up, because the demon strand sort of formed like a resin ceiling, and the glory fell on top, but it couldn't come down. And I've been begging the Lord for the last five years, please, please, please show me. How do we keep the barrier between heaven and earth open so that glory can fall on us? And it's the four pillars from a Psalm 100. Declaration, thankfulness, praise, and rejoicing. And when we practice those things, Satan's stronghold cannot restrict us. Can I have the musicians, please, and, and Phil? Phil's going to sing a song. And while they're coming up, the scripture that I think is for tonight is Isaiah 58, 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Last Sunday night... I was going through a pretty hard time. And I was feeling, you know, irritable. And when I shut my eyes and I was praying about it, when I opened them I could see, you know those I don't know if there's any builders here, I can't think of what they're called, those sort of U shaped nails. What are they? Yeah, yeah. The fat ones, though, you know. Yeah. I I could see in the spirit that I had one in my back. And I like I don't want that in my back. And so I said to Lord, what is it? Get rid of it. And then when I opened my eyes, heaps of people here had them in their backs. And the Lord said, that's a stronghold. And that's when we do not have the glory of God at our rear guard. That's when we turn and hide. Or we turn in our anger. Or we turn in our self-sufficiency. And God is saying He wants to dissolve the strongholds by His glory tonight. Day after day, He wants to so pour out His glory on us that we just walk with Him intimately, and we know Him. So Phil's going to sing this song. While that's, I'm just going to pray, and while that's coming, if you need an encounter with God, if you have addictions. You have physical healing needs. I do. I've been fully healed, partially healed, and not healed right now. <laughs> I need God to heal me. I don't ever want to live without the glory of God ever again. Ever. And I'm really bad at self sufficiency. <laughs> Run. Run to God. Get on your mark because I totally believe that the time is short and I for one do not want to stand in front of God on judgment day with blood on my hands because I was not on my mark because I was dilly dallying around there is people in the world who need empathy and comfort and they need God and we need God Father I ask now for the glory of God to increase. Lord, we put up four pillars today. Thankfulness, desperation, praise, and we have rejoiced. Father, now I ask for your glory to fall in power like a waterfall. Lord, I ask for an outpouring of your healing power. I ask, Lord, more than that. I ask for an encounter of your Holy Spirit. Fill us, Father. We run to you in our troubles. Forgive us. There are people here who need to repent. We all need to repent. (laughs) And if you think you don't, then you really need to come up the front. (laughs)